the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. There's a lot to talk about today. Yes. And we're going to have to be efficient. (laughs) We will. Did you ever experience any type of stigma or anything like that when it came to your divorce? Stigma within the community, the Jewish community. Yeah. Or at all. So did I ever experience stigma post my divorce? It's a really interesting question. And it really makes me think about what is stigma and does it exist outside of my head? I have my very own perceived ideas of stigma because I'm a woman, divorced, and kind of straddling the orthodox, non-orthodox community. So there's a lot of things that I did personally. I removed myself from the community. I intentionally took a step back. But at the same time, I do feel like there is some stigma that happens when a woman gets divorced. And I'm curious about what happens when a man gets divorced. And I think that uh, the stigma that I have in my head is that it's your fault. You know, a a friend and I always joke about, you know, those meal trains that when someone has a baby, so every, the whole community jumps on board, supports them. What can we do? And when someone gets divorced, there's no response like that at all. Just saying the other day. We need just as much. (laughs) I'm often asked to make meals for a new mother and I'm like, I'm a single mom of three kids. Like they have a husband to make them dinner. Who's making dinner for Same me? Same as some guys. Same exact thing. Your fridge would be filled for weeks with exactly. an overwhelming outpouring of support. But when it comes to divorce and it's a death as well, but there's a real complexity to that grief and that death, right? There's, no, there's nothing. Or what feels like a, an inundation or a flood for a birth or a death slows to a trickle when it comes to a divorce. And I, and I always perceive that as it's not my problem if you're divorced. You got yourself into this mess. Now you need to figure out how to deal with it. And and you know what? In the defense of this in the societal idea, I hear a certain aspect of that. It's not the same as a death where there's a tragedy and you're wrapped up in the mourning of it. Although there is tragedy here, and the, and people who get divorced do have a mourning process to go through, and they're not at their best self. And that they do need help from the community. That would be, it's such a wild notion. Imagine meal trains going around when someone gets divorced. Why does this go crazy? No, that's the funny part about it, right? You think, and and I think there, that speaks to maybe people wanting privacy, right? And not being everyone's business. You don't want to necessarily say anything about it. You might feel a sense of shame or communal judgment. So the less people know, the better. So there might not naturally be those things, but it would be fascinating to challenge that, right? To let people know that there is no shame in that, if that is what they're feeling. But I think that is also the responsibility of the community to, to be proactive in that way. I thought we were going to get to this later on, but it's a good point to jump in at in the sense that you can feel stigmatization from within based on whatever you've learned and judge yourself. And then there is also stigmatization from without that you do get from the community, whether it is deliberate or not. Um, and your social circles. And and my point is to say that that stigmatization can come from everywhere, right? And from everyone, like in talking to people and and children of divorce, it also comes from other children, right? Whose parents are not divorced. 
in them saying things like your dad isn't your real dad because you weren't raised with him. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of people saying also to older peers, once they get to the age of marriage or when their cohort might be thinking about it, that the reason why they're not married is because they don't understand marriage as a concept because they never grew up with it. Right. Those are all false assumptions. Right. right? That lead to stigmatizations about people. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because, particularly within the Jewish community, we try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. We talk about that. Not knowing someone, right, means that you judge them, you try to judge them favorably, even if you don't know who they are, because you don't know who they are. And that's a real failure in that way for the Jewish community to support. And I don't want to say the Jewish community supports anything like that, but there's certainly no active response to it. I didn't experience it as a rabbi when. <clears throat> I got divorced, um, and I certainly don't remember getting a lot of training about it while I was serving as a rabbi in the pulpit. That's very interesting that there wasn't training. And something that you said about this, um, when, when there's a death in the family, there might be a desire to retreat or isolate, and yet Judaism specifically says that part of the mourning process, part of the experience is a communal experience, that you should honor this, this, the person that died with seven days and, and the community comes out in full support. Wouldn't it be wild if there was that kind of recognition for the death of a marriage? That, because it's reflection on the community. Even though marriage and divorce is so personal, when you're part of a community like a Jewish community, Everything is a reflection within it and supporting somebody through that. Although I'm thinking if I really would have wanted that. Well, and there's also, you know, we've said the idea of a death of a marriage, right? But for a lot of people, that's only one way of looking at it, right? It could also be a really liberating moment. And what does that look like, right? Maybe that is some people do throw parties. And I, I, I believe it's both. I believe it's part of the transition is there's a death of the marriage. Now go step into your celebration of your new opportunity. But something did die. I to- and, and if you feel that way, there can totally be a mourning process. But I think there are other people who don't feel that way as well. Like they don't want to look at it as a death. They want to look at it as like something they left behind. So, it, so that, remind, that brings up to my mind the other stigma that I perceived is that I am this femme fatale. I felt like I wasn't necessarily invited to meals and Shabbat dinners. You were attracted. I was was this single woman coming in and I was a threat. Nobody ever said this to me. This was never expressed. I think this was my perceived experience of why there wasn't more of that communal response of now I'm kind of like, well, you don't want her around your home because single women, you know, they're dangerous, which we are. Well, but that's interesting because I think men and women both get blamed for divorce and they get blamed in their own way. Um, I know particularly on the dating scene, I feel like I've had to justify like what happened in the divorce in order to make myself heard and understood. Um, whereas a woman doesn't necessarily feel that way. Um, and I'm so that's an interesting, that. now you're switching to stigma within the dating world with other singles. Well, but that's what I mean to say is that the stigma exists everywhere. It comes everywhere. It comes Do you feel that there's stigma when you're, dating, when you're dating people who've never been married before, there's stigma, or amongst other divorced even, people? Uh, even amongst divorced people. I try to stick to dating only divorced people, to be honest with you. 
It's just easier <laughs> when telling the story, and that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> okay. So you find that there's a stigma against men who've been divorced. Absolutely, yeah. And I also think our system has particularly been set up to stigmatize men. The assumption is that children are better off with their mother. That's the natural assumption when it comes to custody. And you have to be deliberately creative sometimes to ensure that you get what you want. If, let's say, 50-50, which is, can be a real ideal for co-parenting, right? If that isn't an assumption or, or just a basic given of, the, of how your settlement's going to go. Mm-hmm. Because the system is set up to suggest that children are better off with their mothers. And I challenge that notion. That's not to say my ex, that, that the Tamar is a bad mother. She's a great mother. She's a fantastic mother. But I'm also a great father. I know my children would be great with me. So and I think that notion has been challenged. And I'm not saying that, that it's not equal yet, but it does feel that specifically legally, that it's less of a fight. It's more assumed that there will be 50-50 custody now than it was 10, 20 years ago. We are getting more right. to that place. So you feel that it's society responds that you would be less of a good parent because you're, you're a father. In terms of the stigma that society places on me, that I'm, that I'm not a good father because we got divorced? I certainly think there are questions about it, right? Like if you can't make the marriage work, how can you, you know, ensure that your children are, are healthy and safe? I mean, certainly the ideas about single dads out there aren't great. It's primarily- so Has anyone, has this ever, is this a conversation in your head or have you actually had a conversation like this with people? Well, I'm sure some of it's in my head. It's entirely possible, right? That's, I think, important for us to make distinctions between self-stigmatization and, and outward stigmatization. But I also know that the way fathers are represented as parents is pretty poor, right? For the most part, dads are considered to be bumbling when it comes to be parents. That's at least what I've seen in pop culture. I have to imagine that um, part of the stigma that men receive is that they were poor in their marriage in some way, that they did something really bad in order to inspire the woman to leave them. I can't speak specifically about what women feel in terms of certain stigmatization that they get, right? Like how they let the marriage fail. But certainly there has been this need to feel like I justify my own behavior uh, and my own receiving of the divorce, right? As being an equal player in it, as opposed to needing to play this part of being the total cause. Let me ask you a question. If you met a woman who was divorced three times, what would you think? I'd wanna know why. Honestly, at this point, I'd really want to know why. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing that I've discovered in talking with a lot of friends who've gotten divorced um, and also in hearing stories on the dating scene is that everyone has a different one. And it's also helped me too, right, in dealing with those stigmas, right, and knowing that I made mistakes in my marriage, right, but I'm not the central cause of why the divorce occurred. Mm -hmm. I'm not making any other assumptions, but it's helped me right, in knowing that my story is different from others, and that there are other scenarios where there are husbands who are real total assholes, objectively speaking. And the same goes for women. Right. 
have you experienced, so what has been your experience with stigma in the Jewish community being a divorced male? Well, there certainly seems to be few communal resources available and responses for it. Support groups are not readily available within the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you reach out and, and some people reach back and the people you thought would reach out don't. Um, just because that's the nature of the community, you would think, because the nature of the community and the way that the community is set up and the types of values that the community perpetuates, that there would be this kind of natural response to when someone gets divorced. Uh, and yet that hasn't happened. And in some ways, I also forgive this because my divorce happened in close proximity to the pandemic. So it could be that a lot of people are also dealing with their own personal crap. So I'm trying to be patient in that way. And that's actually been one of the lessons that I've had to learn from all this is this value of patience involved, right? In that you hear things, right? And it could be that you're in real difficult scenarios. I mean, it, in some ways I feel for Tamar that there could be stigmas placed on her as someone who was once married to a rabbi, people could often assume that like, you're the rabbi and why would you want a divorce, right? You're the rabbi, you perpetuate marriage, you perpetuate this idea of wholesome family life. So of course, if there's a divorce in the rabbi's life, it's because the wife did something or she doesn't want to be there. So it's all on her. And that's not fair to tomorrow either because it's not true. So the stigma of the rabbi's wife, <laughs> interesting. But I think it can also happen for anyone who's, you know, deep involved in the Jewish community. I mean, the Jewish community, like all faith-based communities, are heavily rooted in the idea of family, right? What happens in the family? You and I know this directly, that the family unit is where Judaism primarily gets perpetuated. Well, if there's a break in the family unit, what do you think people think about how can you perpetuate Judaism in your family? And so in that way, they might feel a little infected about it. This goes back to our ideas about grief and, and all that, how people deal with the grief of divorce differently. Right? I think it goes back to our, our conversation about failure. And it's if you failed in the community, if you failed at something so integral to the community, to the fabric of the community, do you still belong in the community? And you're damaging to it in that way, maybe. Are you damaging to the community? Do you right. represent, oh, that's interesting. So the stigma is because we do we want to have divorced people in our home? What does that represent? Right. What does that teach our children? And it shouldn't be, right? It should be that the focus of the, each community is the highest potential of each human individual, whether they're in a family unit or not. Although I don't know anybody personally who would ever say that out loud and who might even think that that the purpose of the synagogue community or any Jewish community? That they wouldn't want a divorced person in their home because it's a bad example for their children. Do you know people like that? No, I don't know anyone that, was, that, that would say that, absolutely. But I, think, but I think that synagogues just aren't geared for it. They're just not geared for it, right? They don't provide support groups, right? I would, I would encourage anyone who's seeking, right, who's going through a divorce, to find some form of support group. Maybe therapists can recommend it. Maybe you can find a gendered support group. Sometimes men understand other men the same way in divorce. It's certainly been beneficial to me and my men's group when I talk about my divorce, that the other men who have also gone through divorce can understand what I'm going through. And maybe that would work well for women too. Um, I, you know, 
And I think that also works well for children too, because that normalizes it. That reminds you that like divorce is a fairly common thing that happens. It's at least 50% of marriage ending in divorce, right? Let's not forget that. Right. And there can also be really wonderful silver linings, right. And things to consider when it does come to divorce, right. It doesn't only have to be focused on the grief element of it, right. It can be that it provides a new chapter um, and new opportunity in someone's life. There can be a liberating element to it, like we spoke about. So back to the stigma question. Yeah. I think really the crux of it is, is, is stigma self-imposed, self-created? Does it really stem from self? Or is there real stigma within the community? I, I do think that there is some. I, I, I do believe that there's this concept of failure, of you failed, it's your problem. And you're at fault. If you couldn't make the marriage work, there's something wrong with you and it's you need to deal with the fallout. I think the rest of the stuff is kind of more uh, perception that people not wanting you in your home, people worried that you're a threat, um, people blaming you for being for your role as a as a man. I think that's more um, uh, self created. But I think the other I think the other stuff there that's true. I think you're right in that people do judge you as an individual in what happened in your divorce, and they don't know the complexity of your story. They don't know really what went into it. And unless you and your ex have some type of real unified front or publicist who's going to print absolutely everything so that people can't make false assumptions about it and that they get all the details they really need, right, in order to prevent them from doing that, it's going to happen. People are going to speculate because it gives them something to think about. It's salacious in many ways. It's drama in the community that may, you know, distract them from their otherwise mundane lives. But it's going to happen. Right. But what you're talking about is an is a response to individuals. So the way people think about you isn't a stigma. That is their response to your individual story. That's a salacious gossip. That's fun. The stigma is more of a generalized. A divorced person is blank, or or a divorced Jewish dad is blank. And it's kind of a generalization or a stereotype. It's just a stigma has a very negative connotation to it. No, I'm just saying there's an entertainment value to it. And through that entertainment value, people do become judgmental, right? It's like watching TV. It's just happening in real life. But you have to be more defensive about it now because it really is close to you. So the stigma helps keep people away at arm's length, right? It helps to say there's something wrong with you. And it keeps the, peer, the person who's doing the stigmatization, it keeps them safe, is what I'm trying to say. Right. I do also want to have a little bit of empathy for those who do stigmatize because I think that also comes from a sense of grief. And we talked about that earlier, but that grief is different from them, for them, right? They, they tiptoe around it because it's not a grief that they also want to encounter in their relationships, regardless of who they find to be at fault. It brings a certain reality, which could mean that their marriage is in trouble in some ways. I wonder what happens if there's like a domino effect in some communities that when, you know, couples announce that they're getting divorced, if there are other couples that go like, hmm. I think so. And I think even if you look at the trend, not even within communities, but the trend over the years that look, look how many people are, I mean, I have so many people that I know that are divorced. And when I think back to my parents' generation, it's, it's far fewer people. So I think 
the stigma has definitely changed. And I do think that there's a domino effect of, well, if they're getting divorced and that is more normalized, when you normalize the behavior, the stigma lessens and then then it becomes more of a widespread accepted practice. And I, I do think that that's happened. What's the lesson learned? Well, I think one, um, we go back to the idea of patience. You know, we, we often forget that, you know, patience requires letting things unfold. It often requires, we talk about this idea of savanut. That was the first Hebrew word I ever learned. I was in mm -hmm. kindergarten where Nettie taught it to me, savanut. Uh, which is really this idea was of there like, a song? Um, do I, was there a song? No, there was no song. There is a song. There is a song. I didn't know There's that. A little Israeli song about Savlanut. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'd love to learn it at some point. I think Morinetti just looked at me and said, Savlanut, no, um, she had no patience. <laughs> she had no patience at that point to teach me a song. She just gave me the word. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I digress. Um, uh, but that often means sablanu often means really bearing something for a long period of time uh, while the circumstances unfold. And that can be difficult. It can be difficult, particularly if you have a, a difficult divorce in which maybe your ex is being difficult and also sharing untruths. You have to be sympathetic to people knowing that, that they're not getting the whole story because someone might be perpetuating a false one. Um, I also think it takes a matter of looking at the bigger picture, knowing that your divorce isn't the first one that you know has occurred in history, and it certainly won't be the last. And again, remembering the statistics about how many people, how many marriages actually end in divorce. So knowing the bigger picture, being able to see that, and also knowing that other people only having only have a real small piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. They don't know shit. And you have to remind yourself of that. And you also have to check yourself. You have to check yourself. You have to say, am I just thinking this because of things that I've taught or th things that I've been taught or, or things that I've thought as well about marriage and divorce and my own marriage and divorce, or is it really coming from other places? Because you don't want to end up feeling resentful about relationships that didn't go wrong just because you think they did because you think there's a stigma on you. Yeah, I would say that's my takeaway as well of take the time to really recognize that most of the perceived stigmas we experience are self-perpetuated, what you're projecting onto others and how often are people really saying the things you think that they think or doing those things. And um, you have choice of who do, <laughs> who do you hang out with and spend your time with. And if they're really a stigma, then and it doesn't serve you, then make the choice not to be around that that stigma or that perpetuated stigma. That's exactly. But I, I think that most of it is is internal. A lot of it, I don't know. This is a question for our audience. How have you experienced stigma within the Jewish community following your divorce? And I would say, in addition to that question, how have you experienced it? And if you do experience it, right? If you if you know it to be true, if you find that you know, as a single parent or a single person, even let's just say that, right? Cause you can get divorced without having kids and you can be a single person even, I mean, you just don't have to be married. You can be a single person, that's perfectly fine. But if you feel in your Jewish community that there is some type of 
marginalization of you as a result of your status, then you need to speak up about it. And that can be difficult, but you need to speak up about it. You need to approach your leaders. And I would even encourage leaders in those communities, if you know of divorce that occurs, reach out to those individuals. They may feel already isolated and your reaching out could help them incredibly. They may not feel like they see themselves in the Jewish community. And so you have to bring the Jewish community to them. You can't let them feel isolated, right? Even just a phone call, leaving a voicemail message, if they don't pick up, is helpful in, in and of itself. But you have to be proactive about it because isolation is real in divorce. It can happen. And particularly during times of pandemic, it can happen even further. But um, that's important to remember that a person, when they leave a marriage, goes from a circumstance in which they felt very much like they were part of something and now they're not anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, let's go back to your original question of if you felt stigmatized in your Jewish community, how has it happened and how have you responded to it? Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. Email us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. I nailed it this time. You did a great job. Really wonderful. Great conversation today. No, I'm not the conversation. Last time I got the the email address wrong. No, I was saying I was referring to that. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I, I did great today. Mm -hmm. <laughs>